Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas to everyone. As part of our Christmas special, we are joined by Santa has deposited down our chimney the very beautiful, our friend and yours, Alex Manzi. Alex, welcome hey. to the show again. Again, again, yeah. What's this? Three, four? I'm, I've lost count. Too many, is, is what I say. Okay. I'm just trying to keep up with Emma Gannon, that's it. I feel like when we have you on, it's 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 far less planned, it's far less um, curated, it's just a chat, um, and yeah. I think often from those from those chats, actually really useful things can spring forward. So, um, I was as I was uh, thinking about your little face today, I was thinking about how much since I've known you, since we've known you, uh, which is around three years now, you have. I think you've changed a lot. Um, what do you think? Do you think you've changed a lot? My hair's growing. I give you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, no, mate, I think you're right. I definitely think you're right. There's been, especially this year, like for me, there's been so much growth, like just on a very personal level, let alone like, you know, what I'm doing, like with coaching full time, the podcast, like everything else, content wise, everything else. Yeah, it's been, there's been huge growth because it's like my, my life are outside of, like personal life outside of coaching, outside of podcast has changed significantly. When we met, I was still working full time. When we met, I just started the podcast. When I met, I don't think maybe three years ago, maybe I just started tipping my toes in the water of coaching, stuff like that. Whereas now it's like the other end of that scale. I work for myself. I've got my own coaching business, which is full time. Podcast is going well with what I want it to go well with. Obviously there's still massive room for growth in all of those, but like, and then, like, I want to contrast that. I want to look at you guys. Like, you guys have had the company. You had, you've had, you had had the company for a lot of years. By the time we'd met, then you set up the podcast. The podcast has created this incredible growth for you. And then off of that, you've you've both gone on like incredible journeys with your own personal work. So it's like it's kind of like the other way around for you guys. It's really weird. It was like, you know, you had this like entrepreneurial life, and then that's pushed you into like solo portrayal life is that a word i don't know we'll use it we'll take solopreneur it. is, is no that's the one yeah and then for me it's like being the other way it's like just going into entrepreneurship at all like so it's like it's similar journeys but yeah like i just feel it's been a lot of growth all around but between the three of us you know what about you guys you must do you, do you yeah. feel that as well it's interesting when you talk about how the fact that yeah we kind of ran companies before and it feels like it's not something new but then it's like it's almost like the entrepreneurship that we did before was the kind of working for someone else. It seems so separate compared to how it is now in terms of before it was like, okay, this is what we think a business should be like based on what our inexperience in the world is and how kind of growing up, this is what you, when you look at other businesses, this is how they're run. And it's not necessarily asking kind of the questions of what you want and all those different things that I think we're all experiencing now where you suddenly hit a level of like, actually, what is it that I want? What is it that I kind of want my career to be? Whereas I feel like it's only take, it takes that experience of, I think, doing something before you kind of realize what you want when you're first getting started. It's to kind of not have the pressure of like, you're going to know exactly what you want right now. Because I think that only comes with experience, only comes with time. And I think that it's through experiencing all the different things that are available, do you realise what is it you actually want? Yeah, I, I remember listening to an interview with Henry Rollins and he was talking about uh, someone, he was talking about a mentor when he was younger, talking about like getting fit and going to the gym. And he said that 
he he basically ordered Henry, don't take your shirt off in front of the mirror for the next six months. And I just want you to come into the gym every day and lift these weights and whatever, whatever. And when you finally do take your shirt off, you you see that there's this remarkable difference. And I was trying to think today, like how much I have changed. And it's like, it's because I've taken my shirt off in front of the mirror every single day. It's very hard for me to see any change, if you see what I mean. Like, like I, I, it's it's so difficult, but knowing just knowing that the journey that we've been on from, especially when we do look at it in or with that lens of like coming from building this company that we did over the past 11 years to now where we are, it's it's so much incredible change that, I mean, literally, if I took my shirt off, I'd be absolutely jacked and not like <laughs> totally completely different human it's um i think what i've been trying to do is and and this is very much something that i think alex you talk about a lot is i've been trying to be in the moment a lot more and and this year it has been i've been trying to like i've been trying to resist using the word busy because i've had so many projects on and so much stuff on and i've been trying to grow and i've been trying to make a lot of work and do all of this stuff but at the back of it all has been like enjoy this as it goes along like like take a moment and just breathe in the and and like especially with achievements i never historically i've never looked back on achievements i've always just been like okay what's the next goal the next goal the next goal really trying to kind of take stock in okay we did this we did well this is this is a good thing um and i think there's something i'm kind of worried about at the moment is like i'm I'm currently like all guns are blazing trying to get 100k followers on Instagram and like I'm I'm obsessively checking it far too much I'm like going into because you have to go into your insights to see exactly how many followers you've got and I'm going in like three or four times a day to see how much and I know that it's only going to have gone up by 100 200 followers it's never going to be like this huge jump but what why, why am I checking it and then I'm worried about what do I do once I get to 100k like, what's the next landmark after that? Like, is it 200K? That doesn't really feel like that that dif- different. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so I'm really trying to think, like, does this shit matter? No, it absolutely doesn't. How can I, like, disassociate from it a little bit? And whilst I'm still trying to achieve my goals, channeling that energy into the work rather than than the results. I guess if that makes sense. So that's and it's. I I know I'm not great at it. It's that's something that I'm kind of working on and trying to get better at. And hopefully, when we do this in a year, that will be one of the changes that that has come around. Is that I'm I'm more at peace with that, and I'm less um, kind of obsessed with with like onto the next thing, onto the next thing. I, I love that because it's like, you know, you said that I talk about being in the moment a lot, and it's because like I believe that being busy doesn't exist. That like we we pretend it does. Well, yeah, I'm really busy right now. Like all three of us right now recording this, we could say we're busy, right? Very busy, probably. But we're not because we're sat sat here recording the podcast for the next hour and a bit. So I'm not busy right now, but I could see myself as being very busy right now because there's so many other things that I want to wrap up before Christmas and not talking about presents, just like work projects and, you know, stuff like that, right? But it's like, that's just my thinking about being busy is making my reality look like I am busy. I was reading this book the other day about, um, it's called Somebody Should Have Told Us, something like that. It's by Jack Pransky. And it's a book about um, experiencing life inside out, which is a lot of like the coaching I do is through that kind of lens. 
which means that like our experience is created for our thinking, solely for our thinking. Whether you're having a bad day, a good day, you're angry, you're sad, you're happy, you're joyful, you're you're full of love, full of hate. So it's all being created through through thought, right? Through this power of thought that we have as human beings. The title of the chapter was You Only Experience What You See. And the story that he he told was of this lady, I can't remember her name, so I'm gonna call her Susan. Susan had a had a young child, a young baby, and she saw this kid as being like spoiled and a brat and manipulative because she, you know, she always wanted her breast when she was a child. She, when she wasn't on the breast, she wanted a toy. She wanted this, she wanted that. She was trying to manipulate her mom in terms of like what it was that she wanted from her and she was always trying to get things from her. And when she went through this process, process of understanding the inside out nature of our lives, i.e. our thought creates our feeling, which creates our reality, she saw that she'd created this perception and this idea of her child being a spoiled, manipulative brat. So that's exactly what she was experiencing. And once she saw that, it was no longer true and her relationship with her um, her daughter improved drastically. And, it, and stuff like that is just so powerful because it's like, you know, you're, you're saying, David, like, I'm oh, so busy doing this and trying to get to 100K. And it's like, that's what your reality looks like. You're checking the insights three times a day. We've all been there. Like, me and Adam aren't going to sit here saying we've never done it. Of course we have, right? But that creates more of a picture of, like, I'm not where I want to be. But then when we get to where we want to be, we're like, okay, what's next? Like, we don't feel any different because we think that 100K followers is going to make us feel different. I thought getting 100,000 downloads, 200,000 downloads, 300,000 downloads on the podcast was going to make me feel different. Didn't. It just made me want 400, 500. And it's just like, it's crazy. Like there's a friend of mine who I've been doing some work with actually, who he he was in a very good well-paid job. He was earning like a quarter of a million dollars because he works in America, dollars a year. And I was having a conversation with him and he's recently left the job to start up this new creative agency with a few friends. And he was like, do you know <laughs> the one thing that I realized? When I was earning $250,000 a year, I thought my life was going to be perfect. It was going to be sorted. He said, the only thing that was different in my life was I could buy Aesop hand soap instead of Dove. <laughs> Nothing else changed. Okay, he might have had a nicer house, whatever, blah, blah. But you could just buy nicer things. That was it. The feelings he had didn't change. The, the insecurities he had didn't change. His level of happiness didn't change. None of it. But his perception was that it would. And this is like another thing is that we have these perceptions of what's going to happen when we reach this point, that point. And it, it it never happens how we want it. Like we think that's the experience we're going to have. And we tell ourselves that's the experience. And that's the reality that we create this, this chase for this happiness. When you stop the chase, you find the happiness. It's like a, yeah. the, the Will Smith film, isn't it? The pursuit of happiness. <laughs> but it's like happiness is always there. It's interesting because before this episode, David asked all of us to kind of like look back on our kind of previous year on podcasting and kind of take away some elements of like certain guests we've had on and what's inspired us about them. And what you're talking about there kind of leads quite nicely onto like one of my points. So we interviewed um, Christian Breslauer, who's a kind of a director of music videos. He's kind of had a career in directing for a certain period of time. And his view is to kind of go on to feature films in the future. And I think one thing like from what I took away from that episode was actually this is something that like it's very similar to like the career I'm in now and kind of a future that I can kind of perceive myself going into and it's interesting because as we're talking here it's like oh yeah I can see myself going into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing but is there ever going to be that end to it and at what point am I going to be like okay I found my place whereas actually I feel like 
you've already already i feel like i found my place and like i've had a conversation with someone today and and it's thing i talk to people about all the time is how i feel like the position i'm in right now i love every single day and technically i don't need to go any further like i could just keep doing the same thing forever but i feel like within that it's like i think we need to kind of change our perception of these external validations as the goal of like oh i've worked with this person i've done this thing Whereas it's like, what what is actually important to you? And I think about, so there's almost like two perceptions. It's like, one of them is, okay, I can go down Christian's route and kind of keep leveling up and kind of work with kind of small music artists, go up to bigger ones and bigger ones and bigger ones until you're working on briefs that you're working with the biggest people in the world and you've kind of ticked all these boxes. Or you can have the perception of, I'm going to keep learning rather than kind of keep growing. And I'm always going to be improving in myself and it's like I know that that's something that it almost doesn't matter what everyone else thinks of that because I know that I'm always getting better I'm always learning I'm always doing these different things and when I think about what my actual goals are for like from the next year and in the future they all actually revolve around just improving skills in certain areas they don't revolve around hitting certain milestones they're like I would like to be proficient at this I'd like to get to a certain level at this and then I know that as soon as I hit that there's going to be something else that I'll be intrigued by and that's the thing that I'm going to continue to learn with but I think not having something that's like here's a specific target that I'm going to hit and and thinking like that's the end it's like well I already know what the next thing will be after that or if I I don't specifically know what it is but I know that once I hit my point the next point is already going to be there for me to kind of continue to like grow towards um so I suppose yeah it's it's a hard one because it's like how do you actually define what your goals are if you know that once you hit those goals you're never going to be satisfied by them mm, that, do you know what that's a great question and i've asked that a lot this year like especially with my coach and like other coaches that i know and it's it's a it's a big question because logically what we're saying is you don't need to have goals that basically right i'm not we're not saying with but you get it right we're basically saying you don't need to have goals because if you just focus on what's in front of you the rest presents itself right and it's it's like if you go on a journey you can't take your 10th step you can't take your 100th step 1000th step you can only take the next step and that that's what i believe life is about for all of us is take the step that's in front of you focus on the thing the place the people that's in front of you right now in this moment and from that everything else will become apparent right so i remember david we were having a conversation can't remember if it was a recorded one or not, but you were like, I can't believe that my life is basically painting pink neon street art. Like you'd never have imagined it. You could never have planned it in a million years. You probably would never have even have landed at that until you tried it and you liked it and there was a good response and, and everything else has just seamlessly, don't worry, there's been a lot of hard work that's gone into it, but seamlessly unfolded because of that. And th And that's kind of what we're pointing at really is like, Yes, you can have goals to give you a, a sort of direction to go in, but you can't take the whole journey at the same time. You can only put one step in front of the other. It's like you, if you go on a, an adventure, right? You might say, right, my end destination is going to be there. You can't plan every single step that's going to happen along the way. You can only take one step at a time and then experience what you're experiencing in that moment and adapt, you know, change, um, and all these different things that you can do in that moment to to that moment and that's it and that's all we're ever doing 
So it's great to have goals. Don't worry, I love goals. I've got loads of goals for next year, but I'm not going to let them steer my direction in terms of how happy I'm feeling right now within myself, thinking that if I create that goal, if I, if I reach that goal, if I get a million downloads on the podcast, it's going to change my life because <laughs> it won't. I can tell you that it won't. It might in some ways, small ways, but as a whole, in terms of how I feel about myself and you know my experience of life day to day, is it going to change a lot? Probably not. But if I'm a lot more present to everything that happens along the way, bigger change is likely to happen. Yeah, I think what we're talking about here really is is being being comfortable with where you're at. I think I think like you said, goals really are important. I think if if the human brain doesn't have problems to solve, then it will create its own problems. Um, so I think setting yourself goals gives you something to to occupy yourself. Like you've got, uh, I think when you it gives you purpose. Like if you've got goals, then it means that you are trying to change something. You're trying to create whatever your output is into the world. And I, I mean, specifically, this is a creative podcast. So we know a lot of people that are listening to this are trying to create something that is going to make a difference in the world. Um, and I, one of the, well, something I read this year that, that really, really helped me reframe something was something about financial freedom. F- to me, always that that word financially free, that little phrase always meant like, that you're you're minted and you could just buy whatever you wanted and you you never have any money troubles and i think it was a medium article this article said you're financially free if you're able to spend your time doing what you love and i just thought oh shit well then i'm financially free which was like how what a beautiful thing to to realize that you are financially free because yes i do still have to work hard to get the cash in but the way that i generate that cash is through creating stuff that i really enjoy doing and I was just as happy with a thousand followers. I mean, I started painting pink neon street art in uh, January 2020. So we're like we're like under two years that I've I've been doing that. And I was just as happy with zero followers as I am now with nearly a hundred thousand. It's it's like to link that to one of the people that we spoke to this year when we spoke to Justin Khan. He was talking about your your base level of happiness and. Everything else is a roller coaster. You're going to sell a million copies of your book. You're going to get a million download podcast downloads. You're going to reach 100,000 Instagram followers. And when you reach each one of those little milestones, your happiness is going to go wee and you're going to have a really great party and there'll be balloons and streamers. However, if your baseline happiness is really low, once you get over that high, you're back down to your baseline happiness of, of like, feeling like shit so for me i guess it's it's finding the pleasure in just spending time with my girlfriend just going to visit my niece and nephew and putting them up on my shoulders and running down a hill with them just like the the fucking you could make a a john lewis christmas ad about do you know i mean just the small things like visiting, like I every week I talk to my grandma. She's 98 years old. She lives in an old people's home. She's absolutely legend. She knows she's perfectly mentally sharp. She knows exactly what I'm up to. She'll bring it up. She'll be like, oh, did you sell your paper drawings the other week? She knows exactly where I'm at. And I love speaking to her. And I'm so thankful of like the relation because we've had, we've had a weekly conversation every week for I'd say probably the past four years. Um, and so that's going back to when she was like 94 years old. When she gets to 94, she could have 
she could have died at 94, 95, 96. Like, she's going to die really soon. But the fact that I've had these four years of this, like, kind of relationship building with her, that I've just spent that time, I have an alarm that goes off on my phone that prompts me, like, it's time to ring your grandma, she's expecting the call. Just doing those little things, those are what set my baseline happiness so that at the end of the day, if all this, me and Adam have spoken about this before, if everything goes away, we know we'll be absolutely fine. If I lose my career, if something happens, whatever, like my, my work just isn't in fashion anymore. People just don't think it's trendy to buy my work anymore. Then that means I have to come up with something else. But I've been in that position where no one was paying attention. No one was listening. No one was interested. I've been there. And my baseline happiness was the same then as it is now. So what's there to be afraid of? What's there to worry about? Nothing. We've done it. We know we can do it. We know we can build back up. We know we can set ourselves new goals. And 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 we know we can achieve them. This is the thing as well. It's like we talked about success stacking before. Like because we've got all of these wins under our belts, we've created a successful podcast. We've built our own personal solo careers. We've built a, a successful company. Because we've done these things, we know what success feels like. We know that if we dedicate ourselves to, we, we know the hard work that it takes to go into something to make it successful. It means there's there's really no worries. And I think as soon as you can remove, if you if you do feel like you're financially free and you can then remove the the, the worries of what if everything is goes away tomorrow, then, then, you, then you do have complete freedom. And I think that's what so many of us are working for is freedom. The thing that that baseline level of happiness reminds me of is is this saying that one of my mentors says, he says, all all boats rise with the water level. So it's like if you see your your baseline level of happiness as being the water in the river, let's call it a river right, or canal, right? When the, when the, the level of the water rises, all of the boats go with it. It's not like one boat goes up and the other one doesn't and they all go up at the same time. And it's like if you see your happiness like that, the more happiness you find in those small things that you were talking about, David, like speaking to your nan, who sounds like she needs to have an episode on the podcast. That's that's the episode the rebels want. I'm telling you now, right? Um, <laughs> like stuff like that, spending time with your nieces, cousins, whatever, girlfriends, partners, you know, spending time doing your creative work and all of that. Like when you find the happiness in that, you'll find that the happiness level you have with your career satisfaction, your relationship satisfaction, your health satisfaction, your um how how often you travel the things you buy like all rises with it and as what you were saying um and because you're gonna cut that bit off and what i've experienced is like when that does happen it's like i actually want less i buy less material things i spend less time trying to travel all the time i maybe spend less time socializing but it's because i don't feel like i need to do it to be happy but because when i do do it i'm my base level of happiness is a lot higher the quality of everything that I do is higher with it. Through very, like I've read a lot of Medium articles this year and um, like Tim Denning is my favourite uh, author on Medium. I've tried to get him on the podcast. He doesn't want to come on. We've had a chat, um, but he's just, I, he he's a writer and I don't think he wants to talk on camera. So, um, but I do uh, really recommend his writing. I, I found it really useful, but um, he talks a lot about uh, money and investing and crypto and all of that sort of stuff. But I've I've really sort of, start to think about the things that I buy. Are you buying an asset or are you buying a liability? And buying something that if I know, like if I no longer have use for it, can I sell it on for as much as I paid for it? Or or can I make a little bit of profit on it? Or 
is this going to be something that when I sell it on is going to be worth far less? Um, and so trying to spend more wisely um, and, and just really contextualizing how 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 it has nothing to do with my happiness really like i enjoy buying cool shit like everyone does but the reason that my art career exists is not to provide me loads of cool shit it's it's really not like it the the two are so not linked like the fact that my art does pay my rent is really really handy it's a really good side effect and the fact that there are enough people that are interested in what I make that that have enough feelings that they want to part with their cash to to have those feelings and to, to see my work every day in their house or wherever it might be that's fucking brilliant and I think that's the the holy grail and I think it's what a lot of artists sort of are shooting for and I hope that they can get to that stage because when you can and and you are financially free as I spoke about before and you're not worrying so much about getting the paycheck, then you, then your work can be really the work that you want it to be. Um, you can really put out with meaning and you can, you can create stuff that, that is not encumbered by it having to be sold. It can just be pure and it can just be, it can just serve the purpose that you want it to have, which is hopefully to enrich people's lives, which I, I think is brilliant. I think as well as you're talking about kind of like cool shit, quote unquote there, it's like thinking about, okay, well, what do you actually enjoy doing? What is your happy life? Like, what does that look like? What are you doing in that life? Like, for you, David, that would be painting. And it's like, buying cool shit, like cool trainers, fashion, whatever, is that going to make your painting better? Is that going to make you be able to do the thing that you want to do more? If the answer is no, then it's weird that kind of by doing the, the thing that you love, you're getting more stuff that's not going to allow you to do more of the thing that you love. I think this is what we need to think about when we're purchasing stuff is it's like it should be cyclical like by doing the thing we love what can we buy to help us do more of the thing we love so it becomes more of an investment in our own career and our own life and I think that's where things get lost with a lot of people where they do the thing they love they purchase things that don't help them do more of the thing they love and it almost becomes a bit of a waste and it disappears whereas I think as a business for it to last a long time for it to be a career that lasts until we die that needs to be something that every time we buy something is that going to help us do more of the thing we want until it's just this beautiful circle of just like everything's funding itself and it just becomes i think that's where you hit that financial freedom when it's like actually it's all just like it's this beautiful rhythm of just things kind of supporting itself mm, it's like there's there's a big difference isn't there between the cost of something and the value of something mm. and this is something that i really went through this year funnily enough with like paying for my own coaching it's like I was looking at the cost of it. Like it's basically like three quarters of my life savings that I was going to spend on coaching, which I did spend in the end. But I was looking at the cost of it and I was like, it's a lot of money, right? It's a big chunk of money that the only time I've ever put a money, a amount of money down like that was like paying a deposit for a house or something like my flat, for example. And it's like, it's a lot of money. And I was like, this is a big cost. But the offset for me was I could see the value in it, spending a year working one-to-one -one every week with my coach to help me grow my my coaching business in the way that I want to, because that's the way that he's done it, is extremely valuable for me long-term and my business and what I'm doing in the world. Whereas I had the opportunity to go on a, a coaching retreat with, another, with my coach's coach, funny enough, and th the price of it was less than a fifth 
of what I was paying my coach for the year. And it was for like a three month thing, basically. And I ummed and awed about that so much because I was purely just looking at the cost of it. I was just going, wow, this is costing me like a few grand just to do this thing for like a couple months. And I was like, I couldn't see the value in it. But when I spoke to, to Ankush, the coach, and he explained to me everything that went into to the retreat and what was, was involved, right? I still ummed and awed, but I started to see more of the value it was going to bring for me because I was investing in myself and my own learnings, which is only going to help me as a coach, which is also going to help me with my own coaching sessions, which I've already paid a lot for because I can take the learnings and we can take them deeper and look to apply them deeper within my life and my business. So then the value was apparent to me. Whereas if I was to spend 150 quid on getting my hair done, I don't know why I've used that as an example, but 150 quid on getting my hair done, let's go for it, right? That's a, that's a cost to me because it's going to look different in three weeks time. If I spent, you know, a hundred pound on a new PlayStation controller, like I play my PlayStation three, four times a week, that's, that's quite a valuable um, uh, expense because I'm going to get good use out of it and it's probably hopefully going to be ergonomic for my hands and not batter my hands and whatever. Or if I spend five hundred pound on a on a new suitcase, that could be valuable. That could also be a cost because right now I'm not using a suitcase a lot for five hundred pound. So it's like there's a real big difference between the two. And I think like what what we're all kind of saying is like find the value in the things that you are spending money on. Like you know, David, you're saying you've bought less clothes and less stuff, less things because they're just they're cost they're costly. They're not really valuable unless they hold value. Unless they're like a limited edition series one air jordan unworn or whatever like it's going to hold value right or whatever but if not then it's probably going to look very costly to you and and i think understanding that and finding that balance like for me has been huge this year with like anything that i've gone on to and some stuff you just buy it because you buy it and there's nothing wrong with it but understanding that has, has changed the way i approach how i invest in myself and my business and my work like massively yeah and we're we're living in this sort of capitalist society that i think has, has raised a lot of problems and um yeah one of those being that we are basically brainwashed into thinking that we're not enough unless we earn unless we own certain things and as soon as you're able to to disassociate yourself from that and realize that the things that you own don't define you as a person and it's the way that you treat people and it's it's the 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 feelings that you evoke from people through your through your work and just the way that you are as a as another human being interacting with other human beings on this planet those are the measures of i mean success and and who you are as a person and legacy what you'll leave behind those are those are the really important things so that's that's really shaped me and, and whilst i do love a pair of trainers i know that they don't i, I think when you look at youth culture so much of of what a person is is based around the the kind of shit that they own and especially for kids now i mean it was definitely a case when i was growing up but like not nearly as much as it is now of of just the relentless like having to keep up with the trends and the fact that we've got these fast fashion houses just pumping things out because they see something go viral on a tiktok and the next day it's on your it's on your shelves and then by the next week it's out of fashion it's in landfill i mean the more that I can do to buy secondhand and not to contribute to that, it, it, that actually helps me cut down my consumption on the planet, which also helps me like live a happier life that's less cluttered with so much shit. And that's been a, a long journey that I've I've been on. And I suppose deriving my my sense of worth from different places, even just like the materials that 
we use now, I feel like are less than what we once did. For example, like I went on like a spree recently of just selling all of the stuff that I've bought over the past like three years for photography that I don't I don't really need anymore because I've kind of refined exactly what my output is. And I suppose when you look at yours, David, you've kind of gone down from every single color in the color palette to maybe like four or five different colors that kind of help you create what you create. And I think that is so interesting that we, over time, really start to refine what we do. And this um, kind of links on nicely to one of my other episodes of the year of like someone who actually made such an impact on not only just the past year, but kind of our whole career, like because we've got this chance to talk to Seth Godin, who we've consumed his books for a long time now. And even just listening back to his episode that we recorded with him earlier today, I was like, just within the first 15 minutes, I've got a full page of notes of like, well, all of these things are just so interesting. One thing he talks about that I think has really made a massive impact on me over the past year is once you find your niche, which I think is important for everyone to do at the start of the thing, your work starts to reflect your niche and the work that you put into it. Because over time, once you've decided on exactly who you want to target, your work heads down a route that helps supply that niche a lot more. It helps provide more value for the people that you're serving. Hmm. And, I, and I think the, the, other, the other side of that is that it starts to reflect you more as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like you like both of your work and, you know, I guess to some degree mine, like via, via the podcast, art, photography, coaching, content, whatever, like they're all just an extension of us as people, really. <laughs> like, mm. OK, all right, David, you have your, your, your look and your style, but the people and the things that you paint reflect who you are. Like yeah. the, the wrestler one that was like the super, I can't remember his name, forgive me, like the super viral one. You did Virgil Abloh like last week, like Adam, like the, the, the girls that you shoot and, and, and photograph are a reflection of the kind of worlds that you're keeping an eye out on. Like, you know, from models, dancers to this, to that. Like with me, the type of content I'm putting out is um, just an extension of me. Like the podcast has become an extension of me, like the topics I like to talk about and the people that I like to watch or consume from, like become the guests, like, so yes, the niche is good because it's like, it gives you a, a point of focus. It's like what we were saying about goals earlier, right? It gives you a point of focus, but then allow yourself to unfold into it, like from a very personal level. And that's where you find your actual niche because you are a niche. There is no other you, there is no other me, there is no other David Speed, there is no other Adam Brazier, there are no other creative rebels. Do you know what I mean? It's like, we are the niche for ourselves. And it's like the more you lean into that and unfold into that, the more you realize that everything that you're, you're looking for in these other things is already present in you. And that's when I've started to see a lot more success in inflatable inverted commas because like the success has actually come from me just being really present and happy within myself and a byproduct of that. And, uh, you, you know, David, you called it a uh, you called it a side effect is like that I've made more money doing the thing that I love than you know working full-time for example that's not for want of trying like i've tried hard and i've put a lot of work into it but because i've allowed myself to be me and talk about the things that i enjoy the rest has just unfolded in front of me as you're saying that there reminds me back to the success Godin episode it's like he said like we were talking to him and he was like so often this show we talk about how it's so important to be authentic and it's about being who you are seth Godin said being authentic is absurd. 
And I heard that and I was like, fuck, that's just gone against every single thing that we've said. And he said, you need to be intentional, not authentic. Mm. And I think having that view on it is so important because you can be authentic and just like you'll float around and you'll just do your own things. But as soon as you've got intention to what you're doing, that's where it kind of, that's the difference between being a kind of an amateur and a professional. Like all of us doing what we do, we're professionals. We're doing this because it's our living. We need to make some form of income from it. And I think it's that kind of cross section that we've talked about on the show before between like the things that you love and the things that are commercially viable and try and find that cross section. And I think as soon as you channel your authenticity down a niche, down a kind of a channel, that's where the intention lies. And I think by having that intention is suddenly where success comes from. Yeah, there's a great analogy that I've heard, um, which is be a, be a laser, not a lamp. A lamp is like a light that kind of dimly, dimly lights a part of the room. It, it like it spreads its light across that part of the room and it just it, it, it dimly lights everything. Whereas a laser, when you shine it in a dark room, only lights up one specific point. It's very intentional and very focused on the area of the room that it's lighting up. And, and that's kind of what like you're saying there, Adina, it? it's like be more of a laser with your intention and your authenticity or be, be authentically intentional or intentionally authentic, whichever way around you want to do it. Like, but that, that analogy of being more of a laser than a lamp, again, is something that's really changed my approach to this whole, what well, specifically the last six months. I've been such a laser in such areas of my life, applied so much more like singular focus on, on certain things that the outcomes have naturally come because of it not because it's like there's been some great system or like some great you know unknown mystery that i've discovered it's just by putting more focus on something it's so interesting and like just to, to go to like my mind's use, use the word focus i go straight to photography and like effectively if we i love that analogy i think it's such one of the best analogies i've heard for the level of focus and i think if we could yeah think of ourselves as all we all we're all alight that we all have the same output we're all going to hit in the same direction but we choose what lens we put in front of that. And the more focused that lens is, the more of a laser will come out of it. It's interesting because like even even if I look at that as an analogy, right, for how I've approached the podcast this year, like one of my standout episodes for me was actually one of the first ones I put out this year with with Dr. Rongan Chatterjee, who's who's got the Feel Better Live More podcast, like amazing podcast, amazing author, I mean, just amazing guy in general, like, let's be honest, right? Amazing dude. And one of the biggest podcasters in the UK, one of the biggest authors, you know, most well-known people in the UK right now, probably, especially in the podcasting world. But outside of that, I'm sure it's the case also. And because I'd put so much focus and attention onto the podcast and that kind of niche, you know, I don't really like using that word too much, if I'm honest, because I think, like you said, you can start with the niche, but then let it unfold naturally, which is kind of what I've done. I got to a point, I arrived at a point, me, little old me, Alex Manzi from North London, like arrived at a point where I had a really amazing conversation with one of the biggest podcasters in the UK. And it's like, that doesn't happen by chance. You know, there's there's intention behind it. There's, there's a, a laser-like focus behind it. And it doesn't have to just be with someone like him. That could have, you know, gone out into, if I was an acting podcast, it could have been The Rock. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, whatever. Like, and you guys have had some incredible guests over the years because there was such a focus on what the podcast is about, you know, as another example. And I think for me, that's like 
really important and that that episode always stands out for me because we we spoke about everything but what we were supposed to speak about which was his book we spoke we spoke like really openly about like self-development and going through your own journey and what that's like and the struggles behind it and it was just so relatable to hear because i think sometimes you can fall into the trap of like seeing these these successful people you know who he deems to be really successful people and they just have the exact same challenges that we have just with to use a, an adam uh, analogy a different lens on it and that's it right and that's the thing that really hit home for me with that episode is like right this guy has the same struggles as me keeping up with content keeping up with podcasts you know keeping up with the social media feed like plus trying to do your work plus trying to do good in the world plus 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 and it really struck me because i used to look at him and be like yeah of course like he's someone who can take a two-month break from his podcast because he's got millions and millions of downloads like people are just always going to come back to his podcast because it's so popular blah 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 and i had this whole story in my head about why i couldn't take a break from the podcast even though i desperately needed it and when I saw through that, there was just a story about it and I was just creating this image and, and this perception of my own reality. Again, going right back to the very beginning point of like creating the experience that you have. Like it made me see like he's just having the same challenge that I have of like needing a rest from the podcast. Therefore, he takes the rest regardless of whether people come back or listen or not. But he has faith in his audience that they will come back and listen if he took a rest from the podcast. And I did the same thing. And I saw the exact same thing happen. Took a break for, I think it was like three months in the end because I was just feeling super burnt out trying to keep up with the weekly releases. And I was doing two episodes a week at that point as well. It was exhausting, man. And I was losing focus on other stuff. So I took the break and I came back and like the numbers after I took like, you know, a month, six weeks, two months over to get back to where they was at to get the consistency. The numbers are exactly where I left off. And it was like, there was no loss in terms of like listenership or content or whatever but there was a lot that i gained in terms of rest and recovery and fresh ideas and a new approach and a new excitement for the podcast and and the rest of it and i think that for me i look back at that episode because i was flicking through them earlier when david asked the question like what's the episode like some of the episodes that stand out for you like that one massively stands out because that that got a real ball rolling for me this year probably without me realizing it at the time but now that i look back and reflect i'm like yeah like that set me off on this idea of like it's okay to have these challenges even if you have x amount a million of downloads or you know a hundred thousand downloads or a hundred downloads or whether you're super successful or not super successful or whatever the hell any of that means or whatever like it's fine to take rest if you're feeling burnt out because you want to recover like if your quality of your living is going down because of something you're doing then you probably need to change the something you're doing yeah, I, I think with you, like you've got a track record. You're you're what like two hundred and fifty episodes deep now, aren't you? Like, Nearly. I think, yeah, and and I think we're we're probably at a similar number. Um, and it's like I think that's fine. I think what I think what is not fine is using that as an excuse. If someone's listening to this and they're like, oh yeah, Alex said it's it's cool to take a break. Like, have you earned that break? I think if you if you're working so hard that you're like, okay, this is this is becoming a bit of a grind, then it's time to reflect, like, are you doing something that you love? Can you, if you took a break, are you going to come back with it to it with a renewed passion? Um, but I think I, I saw something recently. It was posted by one of our listeners. Um, and it was, and she'll listen to this and she'll get on my case as she always <laughs> does. Shout out to Rosie. Um, but 
she posted on her story this um this article of like the worst thing to ever happen to art was that we became content creators and the art became content and and basically what that does is put it puts this unfair pressure on artists to be creating content as in they have to keep like putting putting stuff out and i just don't agree because i think when has art not been content creation when has art not when like if you look at the most successful artists of history if we look at like the amount of paintings that jackson pollock made if we look at the amount of paintings that frida carlo made like um a really important podcast for me this year that i discovered was a podcast called art holes um which is really deep dives into art careers of famous artists and there's i think i listened to the frida carlo one i think it's 13 hours uh there's a jackson Whoa. pollock one yeah it's insane but it's so but they're so good um and like keith harring like was just a production machine like because he knew that one chalk painting in the subways of new york doesn't get him any attention he can't do six of those and then go oh, i'm tired i need a break he needed to establish himself and you do that by like relentless creation you learn so much in the relentless creation about yourself about your practice about you as an artist like in like alex you probably took a a, a break at like 210 podcasts like you had learned so much about yourself in those 200 episodes you will have helped so many people in those 200 episodes you would have gained a a loyal audience base who will not mind when you take a break but if someone's been listening to you for three weeks and then you disappear that's it you've lost them forever they're not ever going to come back because you didn't create enough of a relationship with them to to keep them to to sustain them for them to go i got value from this i'm going to come back to it um i think that everything that we all do and all three of our careers are totally different but they all rely on people and that means relationship building that means being seen as someone who is reliable and i think one way to be reliable is to be consistent so whilst alex like I, I really like value what you say like yes if you're feeling like fucking down on something maybe it's time to reflect on it are you ever going to come back to it or is this just a hiatus or whatever it might be but i don't want people to hear that and go well alex said it's fine for me to just because i think so many creators are just like lackadaisically doing this of like they'll put out a post every like month or every two weeks and it's just like you you in this day and age like and but again going back to that post that Rose, rosie posted always it's always been you've got to be prolific you have to create if you want to stand about out of the rest of the crowd firstly by being prolific you're going to get better at your skills so you're going to stand out in terms of skill level because you're so much more practiced uh, but i just think it's really important like like the there's there's a time for rest and, and one of my favorite analogies is is adam's rocket ship using all of that fuel to get out of the atmosphere and then all of a sudden you can glide after that mm. are you are you still in the rocket ship phase or are you gliding over space if you're gliding over space then you can take a break but not until yeah and do you know what comes up for me is like there's there's a saying i've been using quite a lot recently which is like take what you want and pay for it and it's like if you're three episodes into a podcast and you want to take a break what you're going to pay for that is like what you're saying, David, is like you're going to lose the people who have been listening to you because they, there's no reason for them to feel like a sense of loyalty or value exchange or whatever. For me, it was, do I want to take a break? What I'm going to pay for that is that 
okay, I'm going to have a dip in listenership for a month or two months, whatever. Yeah. Well, I didn't know how long the break was going to be when I took it. But what I'm also going to gain is a refreshed feeling around the podcast. So it's like you've got you've got to weigh up these things with, and it, it doesn't have to be like a big battle every time you make a decision, but it's like just understanding it. Like you can take what you want, you can do what you want, but what is the cost of that? What are you paying for that? Either in your time, your energy, your money, um, and your focus, whatever it is. Like there's always something that you have to pay, and understanding that will inform you to to make better decisions but also prioritize better moving forward as well and and i feel like that's kind of the middle ground of the two points isn't it it's like understanding yes like it's cool to take a break if you need it like you probably should because if your body's shutting down and your mind's shutting down you probably should take a break but also understand like what is the the price you may pay for that in terms of if you're creating something there might be a bit of momentum loss but if you've got the receipts for the last three years then that momentum loss isn't going to be as huge as you may think or, or whatever it may be and i think like all of this just comes down to trust like trust is the most important thing here and i think this is what like everything we do if we're going to do it to become a commercially viable thing that's going to keep us going it requires other people and like building trust with an audience is the key here and i think if we decide to we're going to do three episodes and then take a break you're not going to build trust in that period of time like that's a, such a short period of time like trust is built by making a promise to your audience and doing it again and again and again and it's like just think about the real people you meet in real life it's like you don't meet someone and instantly trust them you're always kind of a bit skeptical to start with and it takes a long time for a relationship to be built there where you actually trust someone and I think that's where it comes to when you can take the break is it's like, do you, do you, do your audience trust you? Do they think that like, okay, well, uh, are you going to come back tomorrow? Like, are you the kind of person who puts out one piece of content a week, one piece of content every two months? And it's like, oh, I've done this. Oh, here's three posts. Oh, I'm going to take a break for a while. Oh, here's another bit. Like, there's no trust there of like, are you going to be there when I need you? And I think that's where it comes down to like, do your audience trust you? If you were at a stage where you've been doing it for so long, like Alex, you've been putting out 200 episodes before you took a break. Every one of your audience trusts that you'll be back. And when you're back, you'll be in there. It's not just for an episode and then they're going to bog, bog off again for like another year. It's like they know you're taking a break and they trust because you've said you're taking a break that when you come back, you'll be back and you'll be starting again. I think that is what we need to focus on is it's like, are we building trust with an audience? Are you tr are you a trustworthy person? Is what you like? Have you made a promise to your audience, and are you fulfilling it? If you do that over a certain period of time, trust is built. As soon as trust is built, then it's like you're a friend. It's like if any friend that you know, if they say, "Oh, actually, I'm not going to see you for the next year because I'm going traveling," when they come back from traveling, you're still going to be their friend. And I think that's what we kind of need to get in our head of like, how can we build these relationships? How can we build trust with an audience? And that just comes by, yeah, making a promise and, and sticking to it. Do you guys feel like you, your approach to the podcast has changed over the years? Whether that's how you talk about it, share it, the type of interviews you have, the type of guests that you have, I don't know, whatever. Like in any way, do you think that your approach has, has changed over time? It's definitely changed in terms of kind of what our kind of goals are i suppose when we come if we could limp this back right to the start of the episode because i think when we first started our only experience was well we've ran a successful creative business 
you can too. So this is how you do it. Whereas I think over the past 18 months, like through COVID and everything that's changed since then, both of our mindsets have changed on, well, what do we actually want? And I think now our focus is a lot more on, well, what makes you happy? Let's focus that rather than like, this is just how to grow a successful business. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and I think that our, I mean, it's something that I'm obsessed with is is wanting to get through to people. And it's something that I'm mm. always thinking about of, of like, how can we say this in a way that it strikes through with someone? Um, and so I think now that we're three years into the podcast, what's so beautiful is seeing the people that have listened to the show from the beginning and seeing the successes that they're having because that that to me is the ultimate social proof that's that that means that the podcast has worked that means that the goal that we had has been successful because we're starting to see we're starting to get emails and and dms from people saying i i've been listening to your podcast since the beginning and i've just landed this brand deal and i'm i've left my full-time job and like the amount of 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 um like the amount of messages that we get from people saying I left my full-time job because of you guys has been so incredible and especially over the pandemic where people were really taking that time to reflect about what do what really does make me happy and realizing going into this job that they didn't have to go into anymore and realizing that they were much happier at home um, and that they could be at home if they were working on something else like that's that's been really huge for me so um, I think just now that now that we've done it for three years, we have this like body of work. And I was saying this to Adam recently of, of like, if I was to get hit by a bus tomorrow, I at least know that my legacy is hundreds of hours of content that has proven to help people. So can continue to prove to help people. Um, and I think some of the most successful episodes that we've done this year have been just me and Adam chatting. Mm. And the feedback that we've got on those episodes of people feeling inspired, just... I mean, getting people to feel inspired, I mean, it's not something that we set out to do. It's not like me and Ad don't sit down and go, okay, how are we going? Because I think there are a lot of people that do calculate, let me mm. make people feel inspired. And they will sit down and they will write something or they will use certain analogies or they will there's a very sort of specific language that can really get people fired up and you can hit those certain centers in the brain that are really going to set it on fire and going to get people really excited and feeling inspired and i think when you watch those those like hype uh, goal cast is one of them on youtube i've seen a lot of their things like when you watch those hype videos i think they're fucking great don't get me wrong like i really enjoy them and i'll i'll enjoy hearing david goggins talk about fucking running until your feet bleed or whatever <laughs> I, I like i do find it inspiring but I think what me and Ad are doing is is never we're not trying to get you to like when the episode ends just go fuck yeah and be filled with so much adrenaline and then just go and fucking watch Netflix or go back to whatever you were doing because I think that's what these like goalcasty type videos t tend to do. I think what we're trying to do is actually get people to take action, um, and it frustrates me when people don't, but it fills me with so much joy when 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 this was just the catalyst, because we can't take credit for it. it. The credit goes to the person who actually put in the action. But when we do see that, that is the most rewarding thing on the planet. And I think it's it's only because we've been doing the show for so long, so consistently, that now that's the reward that we're getting, is seeing the fruits of people's labour where they've, they've been inspired, but they've been inspired to act rather than they felt inspired to just be pumped up for a short 
dopamine hit and then and then they've not done anything with it yeah i love that man because that that's that's kind of like you know i'm kind of saying it from the inside point of view as well like knowing you guys on a personal level like that's what i've always seen the podcast has been great at over the years is like not just inspiring someone to take action but almost being like the helping hand for them like through the action and that's that's the bit that I really have enjoyed and, and changed a lot about my approach with the podcast this year and this is why I asked you the question because I kind of started to notice that there was a lot more David and Adam episodes and and you know what like every two or three episodes I was noticing at one point it was like you guys like sharing your your things and going well this is what's worked for us this is how it worked this is what we learn and this is how you can apply it yourself is a lot more powerful than like the David Goggins like if you go out running every day and your feet bleed like keep going like yeah cool I'm gonna feel like super inspired but then I'm probably gonna go and sit down and play PlayStation after so it hasn't really actually created any sense of action in me whereas like one thing I've been doing is like similar, very similar actually, is like treating my podcast as a a coaching tool. So like I'm talking, and, and this is why I've always done the in-focus sessions. At first it was for that little five minute of inspiration, right? But now it's like a real, like, this is the stuff that I'm learning. This is what I'm going through. This is how it's helped me. And this is how it can help you. And then I will always invite people to message me and we can have a conversation. It doesn't have to be on the phone. It can just be in the DMs, but we'll see how we can take your learnings and apply them to your life. Because the only way that transformation is created is through taking action. You can't create transformation just by taking on information. It's just, it's just not possible. You can read all the books. You can listen to all of the Creative Rebels episodes, the hundreds of hours of them. But if you're not taking action, the information is useless to you. Like it's the it's the... It's the taking action on your learnings and looking to apply from them and then learn from them again and then apply more of your learnings where you create the transformation. And that's why you guys see such big um, like change and transformation and, and creation from your audiences because people are willing to do that. Similarly for me, when I'm having conversations in my DMs, if there's something I can see that someone is struggling to get their head around or that they're, they're not really understanding or there's like a bit of a block for them and I've got an episode that's going to help them I will say are you open to listening to a podcast episode that, that I made that will help you on this and then I'll explain to them how it's going to help I'll say if you listen to this episode with an open mind it will help you drop this thinking or see this differently or this that and the other this is the change that is created for me send them the link let me know what you learn from it and then we'll have a conversation based on what they've learned and that is my way of helping someone create transformation within themselves. I'm not trying to claim that I'm the one creating the transformation. Like you said, David, it's like, it's all down to the person. But if you're willing to, to, to apply your learnings and use that little moment of inspiration to create an action, the consistent action over time is the thing that's going to create the, the transformation, not taking on more information. And that, that's been a big thing for me this year. Like it's, it's, it's actually seen my my listenership and downloads plateau completely across the year because I've just been more focused on helping the people who already listen and the people who I'm already having conversations with rather than trying to get new people in the door because that's far more powerful for me. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's the measure of success is not how many downloads we get. It's actually how many people that we help because if it was how many downloads we get, we get then we could just do those... Like, we're not idiots. Like, we do know how we could make those those fucking viral 
Yeah, there's an episode we did recently and David had a proper like like proper rant and it was like brilliant. And at the end of it, it was like, boom. It's like you need to put an audio track at the end of that. And in the edit, I just put one. And people actually started to DM and like um, kind of share on their stories have been like, this got me fired up. And of course it got you fired up because it's playing on that manipulation of emotion. And it's like, if we put an emotional track behind, and if we had an emotional track for this whole episode, everyone would feel fo- so fired up. If you just drop it in and every now and again, everyone would be like, oh, it's just so good. Because music does that to you. There's a TikTok I watched that, that was talking about um, how the X Factor manipulates the audience. They will choose which contestants they want to be villains, which ones they want to be heroes. And then they will play certain tracks underneath and you won't notice it while you're watching but you'll start to have negative feelings towards someone yeah. because of the angles that they've shot them at the um the way that it's been edited and the music that they put underneath they will totally manufacture who they want to to win the contest like it's totally fucked the, the um the series on tiktok uh i can't remember who made it but if you look up um if you look up who x factor owes an apology to um and she she goes through and 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 sort of documents the different people that have been fucked over by those those reality tv shows but but it's like yeah if we if we wanted to do that we absolutely could and it would maximize downloads and it's like me and adam have always said like if we wrote a book it wouldn't be the the four hour work week it wouldn't be the fucking the quick guide the 60 second millionaire it would be here's the fucking 10 year graft you better learn to love what you do because that's all there fucking is mate do you know what I mean? It would not be. It would not be an attractive, clickbaity. Um, this is an easy, quick fix title. It would be. This is a work in progress that you're going to be working on for the rest of your life. And I think that's that's the show. I, I like. I can. If I do get hit by a bus tomorrow, I will be happy as I'm fading away. I will be happy knowing that everything that we did, like we did it for the right reasons, and like we gave away everything. Like there's no secrets. There's no like there's there's nothing left. Like we we told everyone everything. And like I'm I know there's a whole bunch of street artists that listen to this that are I'm I'm telling them every like here's how I succeeded because I don't think that there's not enough success to go around. Like we've we've literally got companies that have set up that are now competitors to Graffiti Life, which is still a very viable business that we like is still running. And we've now got competition because people have listened to this podcast and gone, oh, that's how they did it. And they've set up, there's rival agencies now that have set up just using our advice. But it's like, fuck, man, I'm, I'm confident that we're, that we're good enough and that there's enough work for everyone that it's not going to put us out of business. I don't live in a scarcity mindset. Like at the end of the day, I want to help people. So that's our, that's our measure of success is, is be honest, put it out there and, and I, the, the older I get and the more I go on, like the less patience I have for the kind of tricks because there's so much of it out there at the moment. And all of these promises, I don't know if, if either of you have been on Clubhouse recently. I went on no. a couple of days ago, man, and it's just a wasteland of like <laughs> broken dreams and false promises. It's every, every account is someone trying to get people to like, like, buy into their ideology and then give them money essentially and they're not going to give them anything healthy in return it's all you can just see it a mile away and for me I, I especially think if we're thinking about the younger creatives that listen to this show that could be impressionable and like open to hearing oh that sounds quick and easy let me go down that route i'm so glad that they've discovered the show and it's kind of set them on the right path of well what i believe to be the right path of there is no quick hack like this is this is it this is what i love this is what i'm doing 
Yeah. I think as well on that note, it's something that I'm really conscious of now when I like I feel like we've lived through a period now where we've seen so many new platforms pop up where this if you go on this, you're gonna pop and be famous. Like Clubhouse was one where for a second it was like if I'm not on like people are on that and they're getting blowing at their Instagram following, so blowing all these different things. TikTok, boom, get on that. People's Instagrams and everything are blowing up because or they've got famous because of this. If you're a platform and you're launching today, you build that into the start. You build in an element that allows people to blow up quick and you get people famous for nothing. Because then everyone else, the other 99.9% of people, see those people and they're like, whoa, I could do this too. That's why that platform's good. That's why I need to put my time there. And I think that's where Clubhouse is, is a brilliant example of it dropped. Everyone went on it because they were like, fuck, I can get famous on this. I'm seeing people blow up quick. They'd invest loads of time there. And the fact that they didn't love being there every single day and they're not there now means that probably wasn't really the best thing. And the people who are there now are only there because they've heard something on a blog somewhere that mm. said, if you go on there now, like this thing called Clubhouse, you'll blow up and you'll get loads of followers. They're not there to be authentic, to provide something of value. They're there because they want the followers. They want that quick thing. So I think whatever platform you approach, yes, there might be a chance to blow up on it, but don't ever expect that. If you expect that, you're only going to be, it's like, as we've talked about at the start of this, hitting that 100K. Once you get there, then what? It's like, but if you, but the 100K, if you get that and you never hit that, then what are you left with? Are you just going to be disappointed forever? Like, it just needs to be a mindset of, we're slowly growing. It's going to take a long time. Nothing we can do is going to happen quick. If we're lucky, it's like the fucking lottery. It's like, we can do it every week. It might be a grind forever and it might never come to anything. But if we enjoy doing it, it doesn't matter. If we do it once and it blows, it pops, we get a viral hit and it makes us get to that level. Brilliant. That's like, great. But also we hit that level. We're not going to get the viral hit next week and the next week and the next week. We just hit that level when we plateau and we continue on on our same journey. So it's like, making sure that we're always just slowly growing, slowly heading toward what we want, slowly heading toward what makes us happy, rather than just like trying to get all these little hacks. Nothing's going to solve our problem. We need to just kind of keep going and making sure that we're doing the thing that's right for us. You can put some music under that bit as well. (laughs) No, it's true though, man. Like this, and I think that the Clubhouse TikTok thing. So, so, that, and to be honest, if I'm really honest, that's why I stopped using Clubhouse because I realized I was trying to use it to to get followers, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going into this in any in any shape or form in an authentic way. I'm just trying to get something from people. So I binned it. I was like, yeah, it's a cool platform. Yeah, like I really enjoyed the discussions. Yada yada yada. But at the end of the day, like if I'm not approaching it right, I don't want to be part of it because it's there's an ingenuineness i don't know if that's a proper word but there's an ingenuineness to to it like into my approach not to the platform i'm sure the platform's great but and it's the same with tiktok like i i i have a uh complicated relationship with tiktok shall we say because i go on there and i'm really pumped up i post loads of great content i see that it doesn't get me a million followers in like a, a couple of weeks or whatever and i'm like ah, you know fuck tiktok like duh, duh, duh. and then i see all these other people who are just talking basic self-development shit there's no depth to it and i'm like how have they got five hundred thousand followers and i don't and then i get annoyed <laughs> and then i'm like then i'm trying to like replicate the post that they and i'm just like there's no genuineness to that so now i'm just like cool let me just take clips from the podcast where i'm talking in my most genuine state and post them and if people come across them and they find them and it's helpful great like they can continue to follow me and they can continue to check out all my other stuff if not, okay, cool. 
I'm also cool with that. And it's it's changed my approach to TikTok. I'm a lot more, you know, like what David was saying earlier, like going into the analytics and seeing how many followers I've grown in this past week. I'm just like, I could do that. I know how to do that. I know how to get to 500,000 followers. I worked in social media for a long, long time. I know how to gamify it. I don't want to because I can't be bothered. It's not it's not fun for me that way. It's more fun to just post stuff that I enjoy and do what I do and who I am and be who I am. You know what you're putting out is good. If someone comes across that, they're going to get a benefit from it rather than just like, oh, I'm only putting this out because it's going to get me some form of reward. There's a different side to that. And I think that's where like the difference between someone who's, have, someone who's going to have a short career compared to someone who's going to have a long career is it's like the intention behind, it comes back to intention. It's like the intention behind what you put out. Are you putting out there to get yourself a following or are you putting out to try and help the audience? Mm. And I think that becomes really clear over time, especially when it comes to building trust, as we talked about as well. If your audience can see that you're trying to help them rather than help yourself, I think you're going to be left in a much better place. Yeah, it's funny because I, I did this whole little mini series on TikTok. I think it was last year or maybe even earlier this year. I can't remember now. But it was like um, interesting facts about your brain. And it was like part one to 20. And I basically just Googled interesting facts about your brain and then just picked out the 20 most interesting and then just sat there and, and recited them into the camera. And I was like, I was only doing it because I was like, these are going to go viral. And a lot of them did go viral to a certain extent. They did get me followers. But I was like, I didn't enjoy it because I'm not actually, I was. I didn't actually, I wasn't talking about anything I actually knew about half the time. I was just reading the bit of paper that was next to my phone or I was reading it and then trying to recite it off the top of my head. And it's like, now, if I was to do something similar as an example, I might choose like the most life-changing quotes, you know, for me in the last two years. And then I can share the quote and then talk about how it changed my life because I can actually talk about that from my experience and not just like, cause it's a cool thing that I think I should be doing to get views and followers. Like there's, there's a totally different approach to it and it might get a way less views. It might not. I might pop off and blow up like David in and, and you, you Adam, like who knows, but who cares at the same time? Because I don't anymore. <laughs> That's actually something that I've been thinking a, a shit ton about recently is that there is a way to, it's so difficult. Like it, basically we're surrounded by idiots and that that's a really really mean thing to say is really mean thing to say but i've been thinking about it a lot recently i've been looking at posts that say like comment what comment the word cat in your language or what's your favorite emoji or and i just think surely no one will have written that in the comments and then you go into the comments and it's like one million people doing these things and i, and I look at all of this like really really base level fluff that the internet is filled with and it's and it's definitely the same on on tiktok and and obviously you contributed to some of the fluff by by just reading off things off of wikipedia um and but i but i see why you did it because that's because you see what does well and so often what does well is really really low hanging fruit that's just simple shit that that you just would you would think how how has this gone viral but then when you think we're surrounded by idiots that's why it's gone viral so i think oh, this makes me sound like such a dick but like i i really think for me i was worried about that with the podcast and then when i why I, I was looking at tim ferris's podcast and realized this is high level shit that tim talks about and there is enough of a viable audience for t like there's millions of people that that listen to tim ferris and so 
then when you realize yes we are surrounded by idiots but also there are people who are interested in self-development they're interested in working hard they just need a few pointers to set them in the right direction that for all three of us that is our audience as long as we understand who who we are making our work for and we're not and, and again it comes back to like what we were talking about with the with the the fancy music underneath a, an inspirational vid as long as we know that we are because we could we could clip something out from this interview that is poignant and if it does if the algorithm does serve it up to the right people it will go viral because there are enough people who are interested in the types of conversations that we've had on this podcast today so i think it's quite difficult to get bogged down when you see so much success for really really shitty stuff Hmm. and i see it with i see it with girls who are posting their ass next to their paintings and it's like i see that I see what's happening here and sex sells and all power to you. But for the artists that don't want to show their ass, it's it, they, they've got a harder journey. And like, I, I know female artists that could like quite easily could go down that sex sells route, but that's not something that they want to do. And it's not something that I encourage them to do, but I can see how attractive that might be because you are going to get, a quicker hit you are going to get more viral success by posing next to your painting with like all your makeup on and your lip filler and what do you know what I mean and it's not it becomes not about the art it's about the artist and I can see why that would be frustrating for people but I think if you've worked out who your audience is you've got 12,000 TikTok followers that's not a number to be sniffed at like mm. if you put 12,000 people in a room that's a fuck ton of people yeah, it's do you know what I mean arena, and it's like it? Exactly. So you know who you're making it for. You're not making it for the followers. You're making it for those those 12,000. It's like you said with your podcast. You're making the podcast for the people that are in your DMs, the people that you're directly interacting with. And I think mm. as we as we round out 2021, it's been a wild year. It's been ups and downs. I think what I've really taken away from this year is just like creating a community is so fucking important. And realizing that the work that we're making is like we're we're older now like we're all on we're all on a journey and we're trying to make a difference we're trying to put shit out there that actually means something to people and i would rather a few people have find real meaning in this podcast or the paintings that i make than do a fucking then, then play on nostalgia or or pumped up music or use the tricks that I know exist to make a viral hit that is really just junk food. I'd rather have like the sustained real meaning because at the end of the day, when I get hit by a bus, you know I'm going to get hit. You know that's how I'm going to go now because I've said it so many times in this episode. <laughs> My might destiny, be Adam driving the bus at some point. <laughs> probably fucking would be. It probably fucking would be. But um, when I'm gone, man, like... I will sleep easy in knowing that like there were no shortcuts. I was smart. And like, so for example, I started filming my paintings because I realized that video is king and that people like to see the process. And that helped me grow quicker than it do if I just put a still image of my paintings out there. But at the end of the day, it was still the same work. And I'm creating work that I want to make, that makes me feel happy, that reaches enough people, that makes them feel happy. I'm helping a bunch of people with this podcast. Like, 
I, and, and I'm not using any tricks. And I think that if you want to use the tricks, there are podcasts out there for you. Um, but that's not what you get on Creative Rebels. We'll just dish up how, how, what we know works, the slow, the hard, the methodical way. Um, but there's, but, but what it will give you is it might not give you this huge vanity metric, but what it will give you is an engaged audience who give a shit about what you do. And if you can create something that people give a shit about, that is so much better than a, than a momentary flick through on social media of something that was just a, a cheap fucking attention grab. It's interesting. As you're saying that there, it's like I remember hearing something recently by someone who was like, if you only follow the analytics and you only kind of look at what works, you'll end up creating porn. Because it's like you will just end up creating something that it just gives someone absolute satisfaction for zero effort. And that's not what, like, unless you want to be making porn all the time, this is not what this podcast is about. It's about following what it is that you love to do and follow it, making sure that that becomes your career. And yes, you can focus on the things that are going to drive you huge traffic and huge audiences and all these kind of things. But at the end of the day, what are you going to be left with? It's like, we've spoke to so many people who've gone viral on this show who aren't happy or they've sold their companies for millions and are not happy in where they've ended up because they've not focused on themselves and not focused on what they want from it. And you get left in a place where you're not happy. Whereas all we want from every single person who's listening to this is to end up doing something they're happy with every single day. And you can only do that by putting in the hard, long work, by improving your skills in the certain areas, by focusing on yourself focusing on other people and like how can you bring as much value to other people but also keeping true to yourself like what is authentic to you what is the impact and the intentionality that you want to put onto your work and focusing on that is going to get you into such a better place rather than just focusing on the metrics and the kind of analytics yeah Mm. and also if you use a trending song on instagram or tiktok it's much more likely to be seen by people I think the only thing I want to add is I heard this from one of the coaches I did some work with this year and it was a a distinction on the word success, right? Our our understanding of the word success is completely apart from where it actually derives from. Our our success is like this outcome, this, um, you know, something further down the line for us to 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 have right equal equal success whatever that thing may be to you right but if you actually look at the word success it comes from the word succession and successive succession means the next thing successive is the next up so the the only way to succeed is to try so success actually means to attempt and to keep attempting not to reach an outcome mm-hmm. and for me i was like that makes so much sense on a lot of my own journey. Like I've tried to find this mystery success, but the success has actually been in the attempting and the, and the consistency and the continuation of the attempt. I love that. Beautiful. What a perfect way to leave it. Um, guys, have a great Christmas and uh, we will see you in 2022. Um, Alex, are you taking on any new clients at the moment or are your books full? I will be in January. I will be. I've got a couple spaces opening up, a couple new project projects starting again. I've got um, a group coaching program, some one-to-one spots, and also I've got a retreat coming up, which I'm not supposed to be talking about. So 
Uh, best place to get me is on Instagram at I am Alex Manzi. Just go there. Everything's linked to it. Have a flick through some of my videos, some of my content. See if you mess with it. If you do, come and say hey. If you don't, come and tell me why and let's have a conversation. Always great to chat. Merry Christmas, brother. Likewise. See you Merry soon. Merry Christmas, please. Merry Christmas.